The Spin-Off Podcast Network. NAIR is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air. No mai haere mai whakatau mai rā, he kōna i pūrangi tēnei pāna, ki te ao Māori, me te ao hurihuri. I'm Leonie Hayden, this is a podcast about being Māori in the modern world. Te reo Māori, he iti te reringa kōrero, he nui te kaupapa. Welcome to NAIR. Te tīmata o te tau, kai ki au i tēnei haerenga ki te ako i te reo Māori ki Ruma ki reo, kai te wānanga o Takiura ki Tamaki Makaurau. He pai tonu te haerenga, engari e tahi wā he pauri e tahi wā he harikoa. Kapukiake ka he ki iho o kukarea roto i a rā i a wiki. He ua ua o te rā he harikoa tēnei mahi. My co-host Mariana has also jumped on the Rumaki Reo Waka i tēnei tau and we wanted to record the beginning of our journey here to share with you our listeners who may also be starting Kurapō or other Wānanga Reo about now to share our hopes and dreams, our fears, what we're struggling with and to get some advice from some of the best in the game. Um, our other co-host, Te Kuru, well, he's a kura kaupapa kid, a passionate advocate for our reo from a long line of rangatira who have stood on the front lines as kaitiaki of te reo Māori. We're incredibly lucky to have him on our team and as a mate, especially because we're going to record a partner episode to this one in Mahuru in September, all in te reo Māori. That is the goal that we're setting for ourselves today. Now, the few words I just said at the beginning about how I'm finding kura um, was likely filled with hapa. I didn't have anyone check it. I just said it. Um, And this is how we have to roll in order to learn. We have to be brave enough to make mistakes, to get it wrong, uh, and to speak in a childlike way. That is the hardest thing for me. Um, We're in kuangareo when it comes to our reo. We're tamariki ne. Uh, no reira, tēnei te mihi ki ngā tawira o te reo Māori katoa. It's humbling, but paikare, it's worth it. Hoki mai anō, I am joined once again by my co-hosts Mariana Johnson and Te Kuru Jews. Tēnā kōroa. Tēnā koe hoa. Kia ora. How are you guys going? Oh, kei te awanga wanga o i tēnei... Podcast, get the kupu Māori for podcast. <laughs> ko nai ipurangi. Ai, ko nai ipurangi, he kupu haumoku. Um, I, even just talking about the reo always gets me a little bit nervous. Ai. It's not only, you know, when you're about speaking the reo, but it's also those, those inadequacies you feel as a Māori not having your reo there. Ai. And also speaking to those moimoya of um, why we're doing this journey eh? it's so it's always quite an emotional thing i feel so emotional oh my mm. god <laughs> <laughs> all the feels kia kaha kōrua, kia kaha Aye. now i've been um at mairumakirio for 6 weeks now but Miriana, you have just finished week 1 how did it go we are so just finished week 1 of uh, wiki fakau orientation week and um so that's been in Dildua, which is they're nice they the first two weeks are in Dildua, and it's also just to ensure that we get all the details of what the course entails um before we move to Rumaki Reo. um it's been cool way eh? it's what's actually been really 
beautiful to see because so we've been online for the first two weeks just to be um, cautious with the current wave of COVID, which, you know, initially is obviously I was a bit ha, you know, really keen to to be in in the classroom with all my um, fellow Tawera. But then when you look at the Zoom screen of everyone's tiny little face <laughs> and you think, wow, there's a hundred of us that have all made this commitment who are all dedicating a year of our lives to this. People have their peepee. You know, it's it's quite humbling and really heartwarming to see just the dedication of so many people. Oh. So, yeah, really feeling um, inspired and just trying to pick up as much as I can. So really, you know, to he um, here, whakatauki ho. Mm. Um, I was thinking of one of the whakatauki that has been talked about a lot in the last week is um, no mai te hapa, ma te hapa ka ako, um, patua te tanifa o whakama. Right. And I was thinking when you, in your intro about how, yeah, you know, koina, koina te guiding whakatauki for all of us in this time. Um, so, yeah, I've been just making a mental note of those uh, whakatauki and absorbing all of the the good energy, the good modi of everyone gathered to in pursuit of Ario Rangatira. Yeah, how about you, Ehoa? Good. You know, we've got a um, our very first um, whakapuaki coming up, and um, I think there's four of those throughout the year where we have to stand and speak no notes, whakapuaki. It's just all our corridor from within. And on the one hand, I'm like, oh, no, we're ready. You know, they they know how to teach us how to do this and they know what we're capable of, even if people come to do makirea with very little real. But, man, that that tanifa is getting stronger the closer we get to that and it, it's starting to get quite emotional in class, the idea for many people of standing up and speaking in any language is so terrifying. Aye. And then, yeah, and I find myself sort of, and, and there's no comparison, obviously, but Te Kuru, I think about our experience versus, like, does that tanifa exist for you? Or did you get rid of that in primary school, you know? Have you been doing this <laughs> your whole life? Just it to caught it all my... Or do you get nervous? When I was Kurawanganui, so I was either 10 or 11, and I did a whakataitai kōrero, I, I entered into one. Uh, it was the Oahi Kore competition. I don't think they run them again these days, but um, it was held in Tauranga. And I, yeah, that was my first public sort of speaking engagement uh, as a 10-year-old or something. And um, the speech was about Oahi Kore. Good boy. And I was, yeah, it was it was nerve-wracking. So the, what you describe now is it brings back that memory. <laughs> uh, and I think what reflecting on it, I guess my message to our listeners, you know, you're not going to hit the ground running. Mm. Uh, I'm not the best speaker. I'm not the, you know, I don't have all the skills in terms of Māori weaponry. I don't have the most uh, poetic language, but I would say that um, what separates me from some people that I sort of came up with uh, is persistence. And I am like dedicated to Te Reo Mediana. You spoke about dedication and I guess I'm only... Uh, young fella in comparison to my pakeke who have dedicated their whole lives to te reo, you know. Some of my aunties did um, hekainga mo te reo, night school in, in Motorua. They didn't have all the resources. They weren't wealthy. It wasn't like a well-funded program, but they did it on the, you know, on the smell of an oily rag and they raised their tamariki as, 
as real Māori students. So that's what I think about when I think about dedication. And yeah, for me, I was nervous as a kid. I guess there are occasions where I, we even see the Prime Minister as eloquent as she is. She's nervous. So it just depends on what kind of context you're mm. in, I think. Uh, speaking, there's a famous, I don't know if it's a whakatauki, but when you're, there's a meme that went around that when you're speaking in front of your class or whatever, you might be all right. And then when you're speaking in front of uh, people like Sir Po Temura, oh. then it might make you just a little bit more, uh, <laughs> a little bit more nervous than you might be on a, on another day. But um, so I guess it just depends on what sort of context you're in. Ah, he taimata, eh? Yeah. Because like, yeah, to me, speaking in front of a class probably feels the same to you as speaking in front of some of those po. I think it gets easier over time yeah. is what I'm saying. So just got to be, everyone's got to be persistent. It. Persistence. Aye. Speaking in front of Po, that sounds like a, a nightmare that I'd have before doing a speech, eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> and like forgetting the kupu waking up. <laughs> Luckily, as wahine, there's very little chance that we'll have to do that. So that's a stress. <laughs> yeah. Mostly, not entirely, but mostly tāne have to shoulder. So kia ora ngā tāne. Although there's that pressure, hey, if, I mean, have you done a, I haven't done a karanga on my marae, but I have had to do, I did a karanga as part of an aromatawai, and but, you know, took it seriously and mm. wanted to really evoke all that you do when you do a karanga, and that was, that was pretty petrifying. Aye. But luckily I had an um, older fire who stood with me she didn't do the karanga but walked with me and that was really good to settle the modi. Yeah. So yeah, whilst we don't have to get up and do, you know, kai kōrero or you know, fai kōrero, um, I'm still not looking forward to the time one of my aunties taps me on the shoulder and says, <laughs> "E too. I <laughs> karanga mai." <laughs> I did karanga a few times at high school, which now I wish I could go back and say to the school, "Don't make children do that." Because I we and, and the other um girls that were tapped to do it, we just were like, oh, it's a performance. Learn the words and stand and do the performance. We weren't ready to carry that, and I, I wish they'd never asked us to do it. But that said, we apparently are learning karanga um, this year from Nanny Carr Williams, um, who is an incredible kayako pauwako at um, Takiura. She's 82 years old. He um, matatoia. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that because then, yeah, like you say, it's like that is something that you want to learn how to carry properly. Mm. That is one of the outcomes of learning te reo that I'm most looking forward to. It's it's things like that. It's not just being conversational, um, which is also going to be awesome because there's so many um, kata kata and deeper meanings of things that you can get in te reo Māori that you can't in te reo Pākehā. Aye. But yeah, it's, it's all the things. It's all the things. Do you, are you finding that you're already impatient in week one, that like you're like sort of learning bits and pieces and you're just like, I want more, I want more, I want more. Why don't I know more? Now, see, I feel I'm, I'm enjoying sort of slowly easing myself into it. Yeah. I think having done night classes for a couple of years previously, um, I have, I've already had my impatience checked a bit. Yeah. So, which is good. I, I, you know, I'm naturally a very impatient person and you know, I feel quite confident speaking in English, so it's incredibly frustrating to me to have to then speak like a baby. Um, yeah. But you have to, eh? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the impulse to switch back to English is always so strong. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think that's kind of how I see my real journey now is just take a bit here, take a bit here. Obviously, I'll be dunked in the deep end shortly, but, you know, you can't absorb everything at once. And so you've got to just, you know, 
actually just picking up a whakatoki here and there, you know, uh, making note of the kiwaha that the kayako learn. I'm quite satisfied with that at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it's a nice baby steps. Yeah, we're making our way through the the children's books in the Whare Puka Puka at Kura, and that's quite humbling because, you know, some of them, like, they're four kohanga reo and every single page has a kupu on it that we don't know. <laughs> You're like, oh, man, I'm four years old in this space. Yeah. But it's also awesome. Just want to circle back and make the distinction that when when we speak, it's not just fai kōrero and it's not just karanga. Mm. Like there are lots of engagements for Māori uh, where men and women speak. So, you know, making the reference of speaking in front of Po, I've only done fai kōrero in front of him twice, but I was fortunate to be a student of his at Whare Wānanga as well. So there are lots of opportunities for us to practice and build confidence, whether it's giving a mihi to the ringa wera in the whārekai. Uh, that's, that's often a training ground for someone younger in the whānau or for you know younger person who isn't at doing the whai kōrero yet, uh, and our whānau in particular. But there are lots of opportunities for us to get up and practice. If you're the only Māori at an organisation, we know there are lots of opportunities for you to get up and you can extend that mihi and those kiwaha whakatauki that you throw in each time. So, yeah, it's just about building confidence over time. That's what I think. But awesome that you're both uh, on that ara. Aye. That's, Aye. A good, um, that's a good point. I <laughs> Oh man, it reminds me of the last time I did a mahita, the ringawera at a kurareo last year, and um, I just went completely off track, you know, because, you know, mihi is supposed to be here portal. And then I ended up just giving a speech about <laughs> the whole day. And it just like, it, and I could see my kayako looking at me like wide eyes, like, is she taking in anything today? I just, but I couldn't stop. I didn't know when to end it because I just lost my whole train of thought. <laughs> oh, where? But you need those moments, eh? You need yeah. those and men get a and men get a bad rap, eh? Men get a bad rap, but uh. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I feel like going on and on and on. You know, hitting or Maori. Yeah. <laughs> what are your guys' favourite um, learnings from the last week or two? Oh, kupu that I learned. Well, no, the kupu was a word that I have known for a long time, but the tikanga of the kupu, um, fakairo, um, was explained to me on Friday. Um, and the iro is um, he momo huhu, uh, like a type of worm that eats through wood. And so whakairo, whakairo, uh, the carving of our wood is um, to be like the iro and make those patterns that the wood, that the little worm makes in the wood. I thought that was a beautiful tikanga. I really loved learning that. Atahua. Oh, I love learning the etymology of akukue. That's awesome. Um, and then we had a beautiful session on haputanga on Friday as well, from Nanny Car, and um, that was some really hōhonu kōrero that um, we were even asked not really to share. Like, that's how sort of deep it went, and it was really beautiful, and just sort of around the concepts of ahotangaingai and whenua and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I was in tears by the end of it. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, I think for me, it's not so much, it's a, uh, some questions that were posed to us, so an aspect of our course is iwi hapu studies, which was one of the reasons I really wanted to do um, this particular rumaki reo course at Tuanang Orokawa, because I want to learn more about who I am and you know really build my foundations. And the fire leading that course sort of was putting questions to us about, you know, well, what what is a hapu? What is an iwi? What makes a hapu a hapu? What makes an iwi an iwi? And, you know, she sort of said, look, just sit up, sit with that for a bit, you know, because, um, you know, through this particular 
um, wahanga o te hekereo to the, uh, through this particular aspect of the course, you know, we're going to delve deeper into actually, you know, these things that we take for granted. You know, we just, yeah, are they a hapu just because they say they're a hapu? Um, so that's something I've been sitting on a bit and thinking about, particularly in relation to my own whakapapa, you know, what what makes um, rangitani or wairo rangitani or wairo. Mm. Um, so I'm really keen to get deeper into that kōrero. What's the answer? <laughs> owa, owa. <laughs> I'll report back in Mahuru Māori when we do this in Te <laughs> Te kuru, you might know the answer. Oh, I won't speak about your hapu e hoa, but yeah, we've got uh, plenty of hapu here up the coast who operate, you know, as an iwi, mm. run, the, run the show in their own territory. But there's also a, a good uh, connection and sort of unity among the hapu within Ngāti Pro territory um, and others. But yeah, just what I love about real learning is that it is, it is uh, chipping away and, and delving deeper into your, you know, self-exploration. There's a lot of that going around this uh, on, on IG, but when you're doing it our Māori nei, then it's just most satisfying, most rewarding when you're learning about your own whakapapa and your own tikanga and, and how, you know, why was that tikanga left back in the day or when was it buried? It was practised only 100 years ago, you know, some of can't talk about everything, I guess, on here, but um, looking at one of the things I'm most fascinated with and why I love Wānanga Reo and, and, and Kura and Wānanga is looking at tikanga and how they've evolved uh, because Te Reo is the vehicle for all of our tikanga. Uh, without Te Reo, I believe Te Ao Māori could not survive. Anna. And you can't say the same about many other things. So that's why I'm so passionate about Te Reo because it is the vehicle, it is like the fundamental pillar uh, which te whare whakaaro, te, te whare o te ahurea Māori stands. So, kore ako te pautoko mano o te reo. And um, I like how, looking at how tikanga have evolved and how we apply them in different contexts today because I feel like that's where we can contribute to the development of Aotearoa mm. in an ethical, sustainable aye, way. Aye. So we talk about te reo and anxiety and kupu and all this, but then there's that bigger picture as well that that we're participating in when we're learning aye. te reo, or we're heading that way. I don't we. Love that corridor. Um, on that note, I think it's time to introduce our manuhiri for this episode. After the break, we're going to be talking to someone who is well-versed in uh, all of the fears and struggles that Tawira of Te Reo Māori have. He's a teacher, he's an author, he's many different things. So um, we'll see you after the break. Uh, it's a real pleasure to introduce our manuhiri today. Hemi Kelly, he's an author, a kaitito, a translator, an advocate for Te Reo Māori and a kayako of Te Reo Māori. He's also the host of a group of resources called Everyday Māori, which you can find on Instagram and also in podcast form wherever you get podcasts from. Kia ora e hoa. Tēnā koe hoa. Kia ora koutou. Kia ora pehe ana koe. Oi, Payana, Ahua Maui, we tend to be a Payana. Pete Pai. Um, just quickly, no here, Que, what? No Ngati Mania Poto, a how, no Ngati Tahu Ngati Fawa Hoki. Kaura, Rowe. Uh, so as you know, uh, the Kaupapa or Tenaida is talking a little bit about our real Maori journeys. Uh, Miriana and I have um, embarked on the, the Rumaki Real Waka. 
Kara um, Te Kuru, as you are well aware, has been on that waka since he was born. And we were really just interested to hear from you, I guess, um, some tips, some advice, some things that you see as a kayako that regularly trip people up, that sort of thing. Mm. Help us out. <laughs> My first question for you, though, is, uh, are you a native speaker? Did you grow up speaking te reo? Oh, no, I grew up speaking English, an English-speaking home with you know, a Māori mother and a first-generation Irish-Dutch father. So there was, like, the odd words here and there that mum and dad would use, but no language, you know, we, we couldn't speak te reo Māori. And our whānau, I think, you know, my mum's mother, my grandmother was, yeah, had te reo and um, brought up her family the best she could, seven children on her own in South Auckland, you know, doing her thing in, in, the, in the 60s and 70s. And um, t- wow. teaching them te reo Māori just wasn't, wasn't a focus at the time. Mm. As for so many of our people, eh? You know, it was survival back then. Aye. Absolutely, absolutely. I hunuku atu ia, i, i manyapoto, i wahike atu rane ki te taone. Yeah, yeah, she was one of many, like, of that urban drift, um, who, yeah, she grew up in the Tarohe Pōtai, in different areas around um, Tarohe Pōtai, um, and at some point made the move into Tāmaki Makoto for for mahi, like many of her whānau, yeah, and that's her mum grew up as well. Does that memory of also having to sort of learn from scratch, as it were, help you as a kaya kōreo, do you think? Maybe, in some respects, because I'm teaching people, I teach adults, so we can, in adult education, um, who I suppose I have a similar experience to them. They, uh, whether they're Māori or non-Māori, um, didn't grow up speaking the language or, or for some actually, you know, had had, have, had some experience experiences learning or speaking the language when they were children, but along the way lost it or, or never carried on. So I suppose in that respect, I can relate to them. Yeah. And, and wanting to know and wanting to learn the language, but, but never had it. So when did you start learning? Was it something, a desire that you had from really, really young or did it sort of hit you after you left school or? When I was little, I always, I, I remember my nan's tangi. I was eight at, at our marae and I became very interested there in what was going on and and, and more so in the kōrero um, and just really wanted to understand. I was very inquisitive. So I think from there that kind of planted a seed, but it wasn't until I went to high school that I really got into it and started learning. It was a, an, an a sub, it was a subject that was available to me. And so before that, it wasn't really available to me. I grew up in Taihapu, it's small. I went to a country school of like 30 kids Total, that was the whole school, <laughs> from five to, to 13 years old. Wow. And I remember we used to have a parent come in and teach us, like, and it was just the Māori kids that got pulled out of class to go to that those lessons. Um, so, like, I felt really special because I was different from everyone else. There's only, like, five of us that were Māori, and we got pulled out to do te reo Māori lessons. So I thought, that was really cool. This is special. I'm special. <laughs> and so I think from there, I just wanted to know more and more and more. And then when I got the opportunity to learn at high school, yeah, I just took it by the, the reins and, and just the more I learned, the, the hungrier I got. <laughs> Did you feel like when you started your deal hiding, uh, you know, with the identity stuff that, that came up for you, you know, all of a sudden were you sort of confronted by the fact that, you know, your your queer uh, had brought up your parents and your aunties and uncles away from their whenua. Yeah, and how did you navigate that? That was that was all a part of it, learning the language. You know, we're learning tikanga at the same time and, and 
more about who we are as Māori, our Māori tanga, our Māori way of being. And so all of that was all a part of the learning process. I never, I, I, I enjoyed that. There was lots of, I don't have any bad experiences um, in relation to that. Lots, a few uncomfortable moments here and there, but but um, no real bad experiences. I think being fair, being a fair Māori, sometimes it was actually the, uh, my own peers saying, you're not Māori. Um, <laughs> but that was, you know, when I was younger and it was other Māori who, you know, who were still learning themselves. Um, right, so right. Uh, um, as I got older, everything got a little bit easier, I suppose. Right. I've been there as well, we hope. <laughs> Are you Māori? Yeah. I'm Kaitahu. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> so as a new new learners, I mean, not completely new, mm. for the listeners out there, Hemi was actually my kayako once upon a time at AUT, could have bought. Um, and Mariana has also done Kurapo for a while. So we're not right, right at the beginning, however. It still feels pretty new to us and pretty scary, especially because we're um, in that space, era, era. Mm. We've learned to crawl. We're learning to crawl, aye. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got uh, sort of advice for us at this point in the, at this stage? Um, probably things you've already, you're already aware of, but. I, I would say uh, put time aside each day. That that's that's my piece of advice. Like don't don't set aside a, a, an hour on this day or you know an hour on a, another day. But like micro learning, I think is helpful um, because time's so precious. But if you can dedicate fifteen minutes in the morning every day to your your revision and your learning, I think that's going to be a lot more helpful. And um, rather than trying to set aside a, a big gap of time, that's quite often hard to do with mahi and all the other stuff that we have on. And then beside that, trying to incorporate it into your life so that it's not just like a set time, set space, but it just becomes a part of your activities that you do. And the people that you interact with the most, get them on board. Um, because it's a, you're learning, you know, a language, another way to express yourself. You need to do that with people in order to develop um, that skill. So who are the people that you interact with the most in your day-to-day lives? Get them on board. Mm. Kia ora. Big one there. Big one there for, for us and for everyone listening, hey, to have that language bond mm. and, and encourage your loved ones and your <laughs> best friends Aye. and start your start your little club Aye. and meet up for uh, coffee in the morning and have some real Māori. Absolutely. So if your friends won't speak with you, then just get new friends. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if that fails, just get a dog. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this is a random question, and it's for Hemi and Tekudu. But I quite often, if I have to go to the local cafe during the middle of the day and I've been, you know, in the Del Māori space all morning and then I have to go order my lunch in Te Reo Pākehā and I I resent it. And I'm not even like a, I can't speak fluently, but I that is, when I'm in that space, that's the only way I want to speak and I actually really hate speaking English, um, but I have to because it's the only language I know fluently. But as fluent Te Reo Māori speakers, do you like just fucking hate speaking English? <laughs> I like English. I think English is a beautiful language. There are lots of uh, words in English, <laughs> like ethereal. Uh, can't think, you always can't think of them, but there's one. Yeah, yeah I like English. It's just another, not like Hemi said, it's another way to express yourself. And, and speaking in Māori, 
there are reasons why you can't and we should not allow people to do fai kōrero or, or karanga in English because you cannot express yourself the correct way mm. uh, in Māori in terms of tikanga or spiritually. It's not as appropriate and it, it just it's not the same. You're expressing yourself in a different way. So I don't have, yeah, I, I don't um, hate English. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I enjoy using both. And where I'm from, I mean, where I'm from in Te Tairawiti, you know, and my elders often would just go easily, seamlessly switch between the two. You know, some of them probably more than they should. So it's just, and, and, and Tamariki these days do that as well. And it's called ma fiti fiti, but I'm not encouraging ma fiti fiti. I'm not encouraging people to switch between, I like staying one English, Māori, one English, Pākehā. I try not to drop words in the sentence, but I'm not opposed to it as well. There's a time and a place, eh, hey, there's, there's some people here, really good timing for dropping in a Pākehā word mm. in a Māori sentence that has really great uh, humorous, comedic, sort of effect and Rawiri Waititi actually is one of those people uh, uh, hearing him do some whaikorero over the summer he's he's got it down pat mm. but um, yeah I'm not against English I like both Pehea koe he mi ka korero Māori koe ki etahi kaimahi i you know like uh, I understand that frustration but I think it's all contextual for me like um it's social, language is a social thing. So like when I'm in a Māori setting with people who speak Māori, I speak Māori. And when I'm in a setting where people don't speak Māori, I speak English. And kind of very rarely will I go in between the both, even though I encourage it a lot on my teachings, like on my channels, like chucking words here and there. And though I do with common words, but, you know, beyond that, I think just consciously it's not at the forefront of my mind to be like using kupu Māori in a setting where people probably don't understand what they mean. When it's in an education no setting is, is quite different and I'll, and I will kind of just, yeah, go between the two quite freely, which I think a lot of our elders did when I think about how our elders spoke, they, you know, dropped in and out of both quite freely. The only thing about English that I don't like is when, for example, this morning I was teaching greetings, quite, quite simple greetings and terms of address, kia ora, hoa, tēnā koe, koro. And we were going through it. I was like saying, now translate the, how would you translate this? Uh, Hello, old man. And I was just thinking, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, okay, let's look at it like this. this. That's what the meaning is. We're greeting an elderly man. Let's just leave it there. We won't translate it into English because it just doesn't do it justice. Um, so I think that's where it is, where, I, where you find uh, you, it's hard to find the words to translate an idea or even just a phrase sometimes in Māori. Picking up again what you were saying, Leonie, I feel that frustration and I think it's, when you've made that decision to, and you want to only speak te reo, you then realise how much you're forced to speak English. Mm. So you're like, you've got this nice ahurumu wai where, you know, reo and tikanga are the ways that you interact and guide all interactions and communications. And then you step out of that place and you're instantly confronted with English and forced to switch. So I think, yeah, I, I, I share that frustration. I And I just sometimes get hoha with my mates. I'm like, can you learn to do? Can you learn it faster? Can you do hekereo with me? Like, you just want everyone to, because you, you've decided you want this to be your main form of communication. Yeah. But, Aye. you know, that's the reality of the world we live in. Eh? You do have to mafitifiti between the languages. And I think maybe our friends in Whānau Meriana might just have to put up with, um, maybe this is quite a common phase that people go through being that annoying, this is a terrible phrase, but born again Māori. <laughs> <laughs> My family would call me that. <laughs> Hi. 
Um, and then eventually we grow out of that and then we're like, oh, Te Reo Pākehā is also beautiful. It can be used <laughs> in different ways. I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> now, there are ways you can do it more subtly. You can ask someone, you know, kia ora, kei here. Mm. How are you? You can translate it and you're sort of reminding them that you're a native mm. and you're in a native <laughs> land and this is the native language and mm. it's not shitting on them. You know, you're not, but you're sort of just a friendly reminder. Mm. Even a kia pai tōra at the end. I've, you know, um, here in uh, where I live, the population's about 50-50 and, you know, I still get cartoon <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I get looks of shock when I drop little Māori comments here and there if I'm, if I'm in the public. But, uh, uh, so and I do it intentionally because I want people to be reminded that yep I'm a native mm. and this is my real and you'll hear it but you know I'm not forcing you to speak it I'm not going to speak to you so you don't understand but I'll just use these little phrases mm. that you should be aware of yeah. <laughs> just to remind you where you at. Would you say that there are more um, non Maori in the classes that you teach, Hemi? Just the, the classes that you teach sort of regularly at AUT. I was at AUT. Um, ah. I'm not there this year, but oh, I don't I'm just on it. No, no, okay, to buy. But it's actually, I think it's worth noting, just because where I worked in ADT in the city, mm. um, I think it was going to, there weren't a lot of Māori in the classes, in my classes anyway. There, there were, but they were the minority, and I think that's reflective of the area, the central Auckland area, because I used to work out south as well at the AUT campus out south, and it was largely Māori, Māori and Pacific. So I think it's kind of reflective of where the campus is. Um, now that I'm teaching online, I'm doing some other stuff online. Yeah, Henuinga Māori. I've got lots of Māori coming to the classes, mm. um, but but non Māori as well. Right. And have you noticed uh, <clears throat> over your teaching career? Have you noticed a, a big difference in how that teaching is is received between non Māori and, and Māori Tawira? Yeah. Yeah. pai. Yeah. Uh, this has always been like a. Hot conversation with me and my Puamahi who work as educators as well, like how the knowledge is received and how it relates differently to people who are Māori and people who are non-Māori and their, their experience as well, their experiences bef- before coming into the classroom. You know, they, they have a completely different connection to, to the real. And so you have to be very mindful of that. And, yeah, look after both peoples coming into the classroom, being mindful that their experiences and their connection to the reo and to the culture are, are very different. And there's been some, you know, kōrero in the recent past about do we, now that there's more and more Māori coming to learn, do we separate peoples and have classes for Māori and classes for mm. non-Māori to learn te reo? And I'm, I'm very much against that. I think um, in order for non-Māori to, to learn um, and engage with us in a way that is proper and right, according to tikanga, they need to be exposed to all of that. And the only way that they can be exposed to that is by sitting next to us and hearing the way we laugh and hearing the, the things that, you know, we, we, we think about and talk and the way that we think about things. And so exposure to all that has to be, has to be done together. Mm. That's what uh, Papa Timoti also says, mm. that non-Māori learn a lot more than just the language when they're around us. It's important for non-Māori to be around Māori, right. especially in Aotearoa, because they're learning how we are culturally. Right. What are some of the insights there? You talked about it earlier, you touched on it, but what are some examples? Mena kaya, etahi tawira, etahi wā, tino, 
puku kata, kare pai ki a koe tau kupu hatiki ni. Uh, itahi wa kata kata. <laughs> what are some hilarious or like really insightful or pensive moments? I don't know that you that you have experienced in in the education journey, mm-hmm. real education that that may not be accessible to non real speakers. Easy question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe just like that when you bring up the word hatakehi, like funny moments. I think I can't think of any one at the moment, but always trying to keep it light, I think is something that I like to do and, and keep my classes, you know, light and enjoyable. I'm not the funniest person, but um, <laughs> as long as everything's, you know, light, people, people can have fun. People can make a mistake and laugh about it with each other. I think the biggest thing is to make people feel comfortable uh, and they have trust in you and they have trust in each other. Like that's at the base of it all is tanga, you know, building a connection with the teacher, with the peers, so that people do feel like they can do that and can have a laugh. Hi. Kia ora. Hey, uh, thank you very much for uh, coming along today and keeping things light with us. Um, for your uh, generosity of your time. To our listeners, please find Hemi on Instagram. Check out his podcast Everyday Māori, his books, uh, A Phrase a Day. What are your other what are the other books that you've published, Ihua? A Māori Word a Day, a Māori Phrase a Day. A Māori Word a Day, a Māori Phrase a Day. And that takes us back to that excellent advice that Hemi gave us there. Just put aside a little bit of time every day, whether you're in Kurapua or Wadangareo or not. Put aside a little bit of time every day. I think that's the best advice I've received recently. So thank you very much for that. And then some other te reo Māori resources that are very readily available to all of us. Um, Taringa podcast, which is a really great linguistics podcast um, out of Te Wānango Aotearoa. The Māori Made Easy Books by Scotty and Stacey Morrison. If you are in Rumaki Reo, um, I recommend checking out Back to Kura, the podcast recorded by Shiloh Kino and Ashley Nathan um, across their Takiura journey last year. It's all there. There's lots of free resources for those of us who are time poor and poor poor. <laughs> um, but kia kaha, katoa in your journey. And um, obviously we'll be back um, on lots of different kaupapa in between, but we're going to invite Hemi back um, to be on our podcast in Mahuru where uh, Mariana and I will attempt to participate in an entire episode of Nia in Te Reo Māori. Goodbye. So come back and see us, Ehoa. Hopefully I'll be past the point of I, Carl and Owa. Because <laughs> <laughs> those are our safe words that we've been taught so far. So. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, thanks for this and we'll see you all again in two weeks' time. Find us on Instagram, Nia Te Reo Māori Podcast um, and Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. NAIR is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network. It was hosted and researched by Leonie Hayden with Takuru Jews and Mediana Johnson. NAIR was produced by Teaihe Butler with senior production from Jane Yee and project management from Mark Kelleher. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate.
the Spin-Off Podcast Network.